It's green for go. They're racing. He says go. He says Tara. And Tiger Tara rolls away from them on the home turn. Here comes another big boil over. Equine athleticism at its best. The king is in the castle once more. This is in one race. The rest are almost in another post. She is a star with a capital S. It's going to be a triple treat. A miracle three-peat. Ladies and gentlemen, you have witnessed history here at Manangle. What about that? It's getting right up on the sprint lane and it's going to bolt in. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sunday Session. My name is Greg Hayes. This podcast is all about harness racing in New South Wales. So if that's what you're into, then you've tuned into the right show. It's been a huge week for harness racing and the carnival is just starting to heat up. Got to Newcastle on Friday night for the running of the Newcastle Mile and how good was Leek to fame. I've said it before and I'll say it again. He's one of the reasons I decided to put my toe back into the water when it comes to the harness racing media. When you sit back and watch horses like him... It's great to talk to people around horses like Leap to Fame and it's it's great to be talking about him. He continues to dominate his races. I will say the Miracle Mile will be a huge step up in class in comparison to the Newcastle Mile. His lack of high speed at the start is magnified in sprint races and that may bring him undone in a fortnight, but he is still one special horse. I think back to a horse like Black's a Fake. He wasn't blessed with brilliant gate speed. In saying that, he probably had a little bit more than Leap to Fame. And he could never win a Miracle Mile. He had four cracks, even raced in one at Harold Park. He finished second on two occasions. While those super tough horses might get the lead over a staying, uh, a staying trip, they just don't get afforded the same favours in sprint races. I interviewed owner Kevin Seymour on Friday night, and he said he isn't ready to call him a champion until he wins the Miracle Mile. I'm probably in the same boat as Kevin. Um, if he wins the Miracle Mile, he is an undisputed champion of our sport. He will dominate harness racing in this part of the world until he's retired. I did ask Kevin off camera about a trip to America, and he did say it would be something he would consider, but it would have to be worthwhile and well-planned. Now, interesting comments, and time will only tell if they do look to go to, New- uh, to the USA with him. Then we turn our attention to last night at Club Menangle with the running of the Paleface Adios. Better be the best continued his march back towards the top of the charts. Nathan Turnbull has adopted this aggressive style with him and the barrier draw is going to dictate whether he can be driven the same way next Saturday night. If captains knock and Frankie Ferocious draw inside him, there could be some real fireworks in the first 400 metres. If they eventuated, then Don't Stop Dreaming simply looks to have too much speed for its rivals rolled to the front at Menangle on Saturday night and toyed with them. One thing Mark Purden isn't is arrogant, and but, gee, looked it when he had a look across at his rivals at the top of the straight and clicked him into overdrive. It was something um, oh, something very special. He's a really fast horse that's going to take him a long way in feature races, that, that speed that he's got. He ran a cracker behind Leap to Fame in the Hunter Cup when he got unbalanced on the home turn. And for mine, he's the one to beat next week. I don't think the barrier draw is going to worry him too much either. If you missed it, the final field for the Chariots is Better Be The Best, Captain Hammerhead, Captain's Knock, Don't Stop Dreaming, Frankie Ferocious, It's Merlin, Our Vinny, Rock and Roll Hammer, Sooner The Better, and Sure Thing, Captain Doug's Platter First Emergency, and Earl of Pembroke the Second. Who's on the show today? Well, Mark Purden has had great success in Sydney in the past, especially with four-year-olds in races like the Chariots and Miracle Mile. He has another one that is out of the box in this Don't Stop Dreaming, and I thought it would be timely that we caught up with him today. So Mark Purden's going to join me on the podcast. And I also thought it was time to speak with my old sparring partner, Adam Hamilton, from In The Gig again. Adam speaks with all of the leading trainers across the country, and I thought with the two sprints coming up next week, it might be worth finding out which Victorians we're going to see next weekend. 
Also want to get his thoughts on Don't Stop Dreaming and Barry Purden's runners in the Chariots of Fire as well. It's Merlin and sooner the better. I'll run through all the races from Menangle in the Menangle Express. Mr. T will be back. He tipped another winner this week and both of mine ran second. So he has closed the gap. I'll wrap up another week of fantasy harness racing as well. So there is plenty to get through on the podcast today. First up, it's Adam Hamilton. Well, the Carnival of Miracles well and truly underway. The Chariots of Fire will be next Saturday night. Miracle Mile now only two weeks away. And I thought it would be the right time to get Adam Hamilton onto the podcast just to have a chat to him about what's going on, who, what horses are we going to see, and what he makes of Mark Purden and Barry Purden being back in Sydney. I saw him write an article um, only a few weeks ago on that issue, and he's joining me to have a chat. Morning, Adam. How are you? Yeah, great, Hazy. Um, mate, how can I not be? How can anyone who's got a, a whiff of harness racing passion in them not be not be like a kid in a candy shop at the moment? It's just it's it's all sitting there in front of us for these magnificent next few weeks, isn't it? It is. And uh, I, I read that article you wrote about the Purdens being back and, and they are such an important part of the carnival. They just give it the depth, the extra dimension to to make it a really special one. They're class acts as people. They're both Hall of Famers in, in Barry and Mark, and we know now, not to be respectful, they train in partnerships, so Barry with Scotty Feel, and it's a really key part of it, and Mark with his son Nathan. But but those names, Mark and Barry Purden, are, they're part of the fabric of Australian harness racing and, not, and, not, um, and in no bigger way than being part of the fabric of the chariots of Fire and Miracle Mile. I mean, they've won, well, Barry's won five Miracle Miles um, with great horses going back-to-back with Choken and and Holmes DG and won it with Christopher Vance. Mark's won two Miracle Miles, both of them with four-year-olds, which we'll talk about the significance of that soon. And they've been massive players in the Chariots of Fire. I think Mark's won a couple of those and Barry's won four of those. Barry's a long time ago, obviously, but, but to your point, um, they're just massive. They've just really added another dimension to this and they've raised the bar of interest in this carnival of miracles over in New Zealand to to levels that probably haven't been experienced for the past decade or so. Uh, and I think that's a great thing for harness racing in this part of the world. And because we've got such a good one in Leap to Fame, it becomes nearly a, an us versus them. Not, not, not that it's a competition, but there's a little bit of that rivalry that the, the Aussies can match it with the Kiwis. Yeah, and, and we, needed, we needed some new rivals coming through for him. I'm not saying that he's unbeatable. He has been beaten. Swayze's beaten him and he, he got beaten in a Victoria Cup. But he largely looks to have the measure of of the horses that he's been racing, particularly with no Swayze in action at the moment. So um, well, there's two ways of looking at this. Grant Dixon was probably entitled to think horse of a lifetime, you know, I might get 18 months where I can just own the Grant Circuit. Well, he's had a few months, but these four-year-olds are going to have something to say about this, aren't they, Greg? It's an incredibly strong and exciting crop of four-year-olds. And Grant Dixon will be at home, in Tambourine, well, he'll probably be at Albion Park, to be honest, next Saturday night, but his eyes will be glued to the Chariots of Fire. And that's not being disrespectful to the two 
qualifying sprints we'll talk about soon. But I think it's fair to say right here, right now, that he's, his biggest dangers on face value look to be the four-year-olds that will come out of the chariot. Well, let's have a chat about Don't Stop Dreaming because he was super in the Hunter Cup. He then comes to Sydney and, and just blows them away in the Hondo Grattan and then last night competes and Mark Purden's not an arrogant man, but that was an arrogant victory. He, he just he, he looks sideways and then the horse just explodes and finds another gear. And then you see the last quarter goes up in 25-7 and, and, and you know, someone's got to um, give Mark arm massages after the race because he's <laughs> holding the horse so hard over the last 400 metres. So it's, um yeah, I was just, yeah, he, he's just so fast and he's such an exciting horse. And, you know, I mean, I don't have to walk you through the, the mega stars that Mark's had over the years, but I just get the impression talking to him that, that he legitimately feels this horse has got the sort of potential to be up there with the greats that he's had. You know, I'm not, I mean, he's sort of got choking and who he was involved with, obviously, but, you know, in, in his own right, Lazarus is a benchmark. I think he always feels that had it not been for injury, that Vincent would have been right there as well. And, and I, you know, I've, I've heard enough from Mark and seen enough in his body language to, to say that um, all the signs are there that, that this horse could be right up with them if he can hold him together over the next 18 months or two years. So he's won, um, you know, Miracle Miles before, as you said, with Spankham and Have Faith in Me. Is this bloke... Both Dice- four-year-olds. Yeah. Both four-year-olds. So is this his next Miracle Mile winner? Because, you know, he's, he's he looks to have all the tools that you need to win a big one like that. Yeah, look, he has got all the tools. He's just... He's not... He's good off the gate. He's not blazing off the gate. Um you know, which is, you know, which is probably. I mean, if you if you could build a, a prototype horse for a Miracle Mile, you'd probably have a little bit more early gate speed than him. Um, but it's not it's not the be all and end all. He's got he's got everything else going for him. So, so let's talk more broadly about the four year olds and and the challenges facing Leap to Fame in this race. Who is the benchmark? So, you know, just. Earlier this morning was sort of jotting down some pros and cons for Leap to Fame. The biggest pro is that he's the only horse that's going to get the two-week break, and I and I think that's huge, Hazy. Mm-hmm. He's got 15 days. He he was back home at lunchtime on Saturday in his own barn. He gets to do all his preparation there. Um, he gets to you know he gets to sort of rest and watch all the others go to war in 148 or you know around that next Saturday night. All of his rivals he'll take on will be in action next Saturday night. So that's a big advantage for him. The downside for him is the retention barn. Um, and all, it's it's the same for all horses, but he's a stallion who lives in a paddock. So, um, you know, in a retention barn, he didn't enjoy it before the Eureka. He's won, you know, we know he's been down there and won big races. But I still think it's a little negative for a stallion like him. And then the other thing is the mile. Um, it's not his best distance. He's a, he's a supreme stayer. The further they go, he's more like a Blacks of Fake who couldn't win a Miracle Mile or a Lazarus who couldn't win a Miracle Mile. The further they go, they just become nigh on unbeatable. But over a mile, it brings him back to the others. And, and he's... His his greatest asset is his strength, not his high speed. So, 
So there's some of the things we'd like to find, but I do think that two-week advantage is, is a big thing. And then there's this batch of four-year-olds coming through in the chariots of fire form. The last eight chariots winners have either won or been placed in a miracle mile. Um, but it's different this year, isn't it? Only that one-week break for the chariots horses, which I think is it's going to make it harder for these four-year-olds, Hazy, to back up a week later. Well, especially the the per, the Barry Purden two because they obviously had to go last night. They'll go next week, and then if you know if they get the spot in the Miracle Mile, that's three weeks in a row, which is a big ask. Yeah, it certainly is, and they went quick times last night, didn't they? You know, particularly um, particularly Merlin or it's Merlin as he races with over here. Oh, I thought he was, I thought he was just wonderful. I mean, you, I'd. You'd have to be the hardest judge on earth to say that he was at all disappointing. I mean, if you're backed in, you might be a touch disappointed. But, you know, three wide, not working overly hard, but still three wide for what the first six or 700 metres. Got outside of a serious horse who was running serious times in Better Be The Best. And he just wouldn't lay down. I mean, he was still as strong as the winner on the line, it looked to me. So... And the horse has always improved, particularly the Kiwis, for one look at an angle. So, yeah, you couldn't be disappointed with him. I think he's a tremendous chance with his gate speed. He's got electric gate speed if he can get a decent draw, Merlin. So, um, but yeah, look, I, I think it's I think it's a real factor that the four-year-olds are are going to have to back up a week later, rather than having, you know, that what I think has been an advantage to them of the two-week gap in the past, Daisy. Yeah. In terms of horses from outside that group of four-year-olds that could challenge Leap to Fame, are we going to see any imports from interstate that, that, that can challenge him? Obviously, there's nothing in Queensland that can. Are the Victorians going to come up in mass or will there only be a handful that will take him on? Uh, they won't come up in mass because the bar's just set so high and we just... You know, few of our better horses are, you know, are either sidelined or or not in action. And yeah, you know, when I say that, it's Act Now Victoria Cup winner. Um, they're collecting semen from him, so he's he's going through a bit of a, a holding pattern phase and not racing at the moment. Um, Honolulu Bay, well, he hasn't raced for a long time, but he's only just on his way back. So, um, so who from Victoria looks like coming uh, better equipped? We know how good he is. I mean, he was. Tremendous in the Dominion final and the Hunter Cup. Um, he loves Manangle, so he's going to be very hard to beat in a qualifier and very competitive in a Miracle Mile. Um, Mac Dan, I mean, he's just a little pro. He, I'd be surprised. You know, I, well, he can't win a Miracle Mile, I don't think, but he can get into it because he's got that gate speed and he'll be a big factor in one of the sprints next week. Two-time Newcastle Mile winner. Little more than track work for him the other night. Um, winning at Geelong, we'll chat more about the fallout from Geelong in a moment. But um, so the one X factor, and we'll probably know. Well, we might not know until the fields come out. Is will ladies in red be there? Would that be sensational? And I nearly fell off my chair the other night when I can be a little hard to get hold of Emma Stewart, but a she answered the phone, and and b she volunteered to me that they were genuinely considering running ladies in red in one of the qualifying sprints. So she would just add another dimension because she's as good a mare as I've ever seen 
in Australian harness racing in, in my 30 years covering it. She's right there with the tailor-made Lombos and any of them, Hazy. And they wouldn't have any fear about coming to Menangle. They've, they've been so often before and they've had success, so they know what it takes to, to win big races. Yeah, yeah, and she's been up there before. I mean, she's travelled a bit now. Like she's, she's only taken on the boys once in her career, and it was even a somewhat restricted. It was a rising sun. Um, three and four year olds, which was in middle of 22, 2022, and she romped in that. She found the front, romped in. Interestingly, part of the beaten brigade was the then three year old Leap to Fame. So he's obviously got a lot better since. She's had a lot of issues. I mean, the negative on her going up next week is she hasn't raced since November. She had a couple of trials, but, and if you have a look at her last preparation, she got beaten first up and then got better with each run. So, you know, that's the little, that's the conundrum they've got, isn't it? Like, there's nowhere to, there's nowhere to hide when you're in a qualifying sprint for the Miracle Mile next week. So, big decision for them, but, you know, selfishly from a harness fan, God, I'd love to see her in one of those sprints. Um, I've got no doubt um, that, I'm not going to say she's as good as Leap to Fame, but I've got no doubt she's as good as any other pacer going for the Miracle Mile, ladies in red. Any boy, that's a yeah. Well, she's she is different grave. Like she is something very very special. Um, mate, what was the story with Catchaway? Because obviously the the injury is not as bad as they first thought it could have been. No, so um, so I'll sort of just give you a quick chronological version. So after the race, Kate Gath um, knew that. Well, during the race, she felt something wasn't right. After three hundred meters, he sort of. He just put in a couple of wrong steps and then she couldn't steer him. Um, and you can see coming off the back straight, he's like a crab. He's all over the joint. So um, so there was that element of just trying to nurse him through the race, you know, wondering if he just wasn't comfortable on the night. Afterwards, he was a little bit lame. Um, about 20 minutes after the race, he was so lame, he just couldn't put his foot on the ground. And he took two steps and the vet said, don't let him walk anywhere. Let's We'll get some help. Let's get him on the float. Um, and they felt at that stage they medicated him, um, got him back to Andy and Kate Gath's place. And bizarrely, when he got back there, um, he seemed a bit better, but he'd been medicated with painkillers, so you can't get a line. Saturday morning, of course, Andy and Kate, first thing they do, run out and see him. There he is with a swollen leg but a compression bandage on. He's pouring the ground with the leg, and they're like, this is very strange because the medication has surely worn off by that stage. So so then they get him along to the vets, go right over him. I mean, they're, they're virtually convinced that he's got, he's got some sort of fracture because he was so lame, four out of five lame, which any trainer will tell you is, is extreme. Um, and then they go right over him sort of late morning yesterday. Um, Andy drove him about an hour away from their place scans, x-rays, you name it, all they find, to their great relief, is a corn in one of his hooves, um, which they do a procedure on, dig it all out, clean it up, bandage him, send him home, and they said, you can start again in two weeks, you'll be good as gold. So they feel like they've dodged the greatest bullet of all time. Um, I, I can tell you they were, they were virtually resigned to the fact that we wouldn't see him for the best part of a year, Hazy. So is there anything now if they bring, you know, if, if he has his two weeks off and comes back, is there anything 
you know, in, in the next this couple of months. This is a dilemma, isn't it? Yeah. He won't, so he won't go to any of the – he won't go to New Zealand or WA slot races. That's that You can take that to the bank. So I think it's probably more likely now that there is nothing for him. Queensland winter would be the logical thing to set him for now. Um, not something Andy goes to often, mm. but what else do you do with a horse like him if you've missed – the Miracle Mile, and then there's nothing for him. So, yeah, I think he definitely no slot races. I, look, I think even though it sounds like he could be racing again in three or four weeks, I think it's more likely that he'll have a little bit of a break now, not a spell as such, but a little bit of a break, and then and then they'll bring him back and, and target Queensland winter where there's some serious coin up for grabs. And, well, what else are they going to do with him? I mean, you can't wait again to until the Victoria Cup in October. You've got to go for something before then. Mate, question without notice, and it's on the three-year-old. Sergeant Lou, we saw last week in uh, in Sydney, he won the Simpson, so he goes straight through to the derby. He looks like a really special horse to me. Yeah, look, he's um, he, oh, he is, um, and he's a great example of, of wonderful horsemanship from um, Paul and Kari, because he was a he was a work in progress two year old, and you could see the potential there. But you you, you probably couldn't have predicted the, the meteoric rise we've seen this season. But you know, talk about a three year old that's got it all. Um, you know, I mean, we're so used to the the sexiest three year olds in Victoria being Emma and Clayton's, basically, mm. aren't we? But we've got a a really really serious three year old who's not from their team and a Victorian benchmark at the moment. So. Um, yeah, look, I just think lovely horse and I think it's really refreshing and, and they're just great people. Like they've been salt of the earth harness people for the whole time I've been in the game and these are the stories you love, aren't they? When when they get a chance to, you know, climb some of the greatest heights in the sport and it looks like they've got the horse to do it. Will we see you up in Sydney for the for the carnival? Uh, I, I, look, I, mate, I'm hoping, you know, like it's a very... Uh, it's a very rare, it's a very rare miracle mile that I'm not at. I don't think I've missed. I think I missed the rerunning after the storm of uh, of King of Swing, and then I had one of my best mates' wedding last year, which tore my heart out. And I won't even tell you how the how it tore my wife Kirby's heart out, given she's Kate Gath's sister. That we we weren't at Menangle to watch Patch away win it, but um, fifty fifty at this stage. I've, on the work front, I've got a lot happening in New Zealand over the next few weeks, Hazy, but if there's any possible way I can juggle the agenda to get there, I, you know, the harness, every harness bone in my body says I've got to be at Menangle on March 9, mate. Well, mate, it's great to catch up with you and find out um, what's going on and, and your thoughts on everything. Um, mate, thank you for doing that and I'll speak with you again soon. Yeah, absolute pleasure, mate. Keep up the great work and always happy to have a chat with you and so I guess the last message is pretty simple. Get to an angle over the next couple of weeks if you can, or really immerse yourself in it because this the 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 sort of resurgence of harness racing is really happening off the back of the horses we've got at the moment, Hazy.
third quarter 29-2 second is line up third on the outside as they swing in as let's rock and roll and magician but as they straighten up don't stop dreaming the leader just lugged up the track a shade there's a run for magician line ups trying to stay on and getting home inside of those is expensive ego but the leader don't stop dreaming he's barely flinched on it and don't stop dreaming is going to go home and beat magician big run line up third and then came let's rock and roll expensive ego smithy's terror well it might have been just a support race on the program last night but uh, don't stop dreaming really made a statement with a, uh, a an impressive display but that high speed that he's got mark purden is the trainer and mark's joining me to have a chat well mark congratulations on the win last night thank you greg yeah i was very impressed with it he's got some very very high speed um i think i said i've just interviewed adam hamilton for the podcast this morning and i said mark purden is not an arrogant man but that was a very arrogant win you just had a glance over your, uh, over to your right and uh, asked the horse to extend and he found found that 25 7 speed he's he's very special yes yeah pretty versatile little horse but he, he he's, he's talented and he's got that high speed Greg. Is that the key to being a good horse, do you think, that, that having that X-factor speed? Oh, oh yes, yeah. The, the great ones are just all-rounders. I've got it all, but uh, and, and I'd put them in that great category. Well, take us through his campaign here in Australia this time in, because obviously we saw him in the Hunter Cup, and he, he, he wanted to... He, he seemed to get a little bit rough on the home turn, but still made up ground on Leap to Fame. You must have been happy with that run. Yeah, well, that was sort of we just sort of wondered where he was, where he was quite at, and uh, you know, a run like that, you, you knew that he he's going to be a, a pretty special horse. So, did you have the plan after or before that race? Did you have the plan that you were going to come to Sydney and and concentrate on a race like the Chariots of Fire? Uh, yes, yeah. Well, the initial plan where we were going to Melbourne was to take on the Bonanza, but um, with with losing a cooter through the week we uh, we had a change of plan and thought well we can um, you know we can take uh, take on the Hunter Cup and then we still have two, two options to, to contest the, the chariot heat so uh, so that was it was a change of plan but it worked out worked out well and then he came up for Sydney for the Hondo Grattan and, and Jack Callaghan took the drive and he was super impressive that night as well yes he was Greg and, and Jack handled him perfectly and gave him a lovely trip and uh, you know, capitalised on that. But, uh, yeah, he showed that high speed again. Now, you've, you've got a very good record with four-year-olds in, in the Miracle Mile, spank them and, and have faith in me in recent times. I know you don't like comparing horses, but where does this bloke sit compared to, to horses, the, the top horses you've had over the years? Well, I think he'd be up with those two, Greg, and... You know he's a, he's a very good two year old, a good good three year old, and, and he's going on to be a good four year old. So uh, you know, put him up with those horses. He's sort of the, the top of his uh, his age group bracket each year. Is he is he the sort of horse that we get into a chariots next week? There's loads of speed. Uh, Frankie Ferocious, Captain's Knock, better be the best. And then you've got the other Kiwis in it's Merlin sooner the better. That if there's speed on and and you can just let him find his feet, that, that we could see something special and, and race his way into a miracle mile? Yeah, quite possibly, Greg. I think, you know, there's, it's a very, very good field and uh, there's a number of winning chances there. So, 
I think a lot will come down to the draw, but he, he's he's certainly in the mix, and um, given the right run, you know they'll, they'll know he's there. Are Barry's two the the hardest to beat? Barry and Scott's two of uh, it's Merlin and sooner the better. You'd obviously know them very well, having watched all of them uh, watch watch them race in New Zealand. Yes, yeah, you'd have to have a lot of respect for Nathan Turnbull's horse after last night. I thought he was very impressive on a good time. There's nothing. Uh, and nothing good enough to sort of come come off the pace and 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 beat him. So uh, you'd have to respect him. And um, yeah, Justin Goodison's horse, he was very impressive in, in Melbourne, winning the Bonanza. Yeah. So uh, yeah, not not just not just kind of vary. I think there's other serious chances there. Um, and if uh, Don't Stop Dreaming was successful in the Chariots, does the Miracle Mile is that you just accept that, or would you want to wait and see how the horse came through? What what would be the plan there? Uh, look, I think while we're here, Greg, and he's thriving on the racing, it's not hurting him, and, and yeah, providing he sort of comes through well, yeah, we'd, we'd accept an invitation to start in the mile. Sure. And is there anything, have you got anything coming, any more horses coming over for races like the Derby or anything like that? We've got a three-year-old coming over. He gets here this afternoon, so he'll contest the, the Derby heats next week. We walk by faith. be interesting to see whether they put a, a prefix on his name. So, and, and you've got an opinion of him? Yes, yeah, he's, he ran second in our side stakes final at home. He was bought in Australia. Uh, Nathan had purchased him, I think, in Victoria. And uh, he's owned by Dennis Dunford, who, who raced uh, Have Faith in Me on the mile. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's quite a nice little horse. I haven't spoken to you in a while. Watching the, the progeny of Lazarus now hit the track, does that give you a, a bit of a buzz sitting there and thinking and saying, oh, geez, I, I had a lot to do with uh, the success of that horse in his career? Oh, yes, yes, it does. You look look forward to them. We went out and purchased a couple of the first year just trying to help him. And uh, one colt I really liked, but uh, he was close to racing and. Um, he went a little bit sore, but he just had bone chips and a hock, so uh, we've, we've had them removed, and uh, he won't start now till uh, probably later this this year. Uh, but he was a very, uh, he seemed a very nice colt, and we had a filly. She's been placed on numerous occasions, but hasn't quite broken through to win one yet. Mm. And what about training with Nathan? Obviously, it's not new, but uh, how are you enjoying that? I'm enjoying it very much, because... Uh, I've taken a, a step back a little bit, Greg, but uh, and, and he's taken more of the pressure, so uh, I'm enjoying life more. <laughs> and just finally, the New Zealand sales uh, in the last couple of weeks, were you active there? Yes, we were. Nathan and I were both there and um, looking at lots together and purchasing, so uh, we ended up with 16 lots, so it, it, it's a good good figure to bring to the barn um, after they're broken in and that, and um, you sort of need them with some of the older ones that are moving on. Well, mate, uh, all the best of luck next week in the Chariots of Fire. Um, Don't Stop Dreaming does look a very special horse. I think you're going to um, take a lot of beating next week. I don't think the barrier draw matters with him, but uh, all the best of luck. Thanks very much, Greg. Time for the Menangle Express as I try and identify some future winners. We start with race one. The favourite was Brooklyn Bridge at $1.90, heavily supported late in betting. The first race was over the 2,300 metres. Brooklyn Bridge was driven aggressively off the arm, as was the Victorian Our Vincent Can Go, with both crossing Major Major on the inside. They went into Indian file, as is the norm over the longer trip. Brooklyn Bridge was in front of Our Vincent Can Go, Major Major, Dark Terror, Sir Richard Lee, Last Tango in Heaven, 
Our Ebony and Ivory and Unfazed. The lead time was slow at 50.8, and then the first two quarters weren't much quicker. 30.3, 30.4. As they moved into the back straight, Last Tango in Heaven came away from the inside. That forced the hand of Dark Terror and Major Major, who came away from the inside to avoid the pocket. Um, this meant Major Major was leading up the outside line. Cam Hart put his foot on the accelerator through the third quarter, 27-1, never in any real danger, 26 seconds up the straight. Major Major battled strongly on the outside in the fast last quarter, while our Vincent Kango did the same. Everything else was gassed. It's Ebony and Ivory was okay late once it got into the clear, but was still beaten 20 metres. Race number two, the favourite was I'm in trouble at $4.20 for the Inform Grimer stable. Again, over the longer trip, there was the speed. Um, Port-au-Prince crossed from out wide. I'm in trouble was beaten for early speed, but was happy to let Port-au-Prince go and then come off the inside for the retake. Into Indian file, it was I'm in trouble, Port-au-Prince, Catalpa Rescue, Western Stride, Joni and Chevron Art, Major Perry, Sahara Sirocco and Double Encounter. Lead time 50.4. Then Grimer was able to walk through the first quarter in 30.3. Double encounter came away from the inside at the tail of the field, and that forced Joni N and Chevron, uh, Chevron Art to come away from the marker pegs. So the running line was Joni N, Chevron Art, double encounter, and Sahara Sirocco. 29 through through the second quarter, and then when they got to the cages, I'm in trouble, took off, set up a handy lead. Gatalpa Rescue um, was travelling and kept hitting Josh Gallagher on Porter Prince in the head. Uh, while it was being held up, I'm in trouble, set up a race-winning lead. 27-4 through the third quarter, up the straight in 27. Catalpa Rescue got into the clear at the top of the straight. Major Perry followed it through, and Western Stride stuck to the inside. Those out wide on the track lost ground when the sprint went on. Easy win for I'm in trouble. Catalpa Rescue was second. Margin unfair. Western Stride was third. Major Perry showed his run last week should be forgotten, and Double Encounter is getting back into grade where he can be soon winning. So make sure you keep following him. Race number three was a hit out for some of next week's Chariots of Fire runners, including the two favourites, Sooner the Better at 2.30, Cousin Vinny at 2.40. There was speed off the gate from Sooner the Better, and it was able to cross down before they got to the post the first time. Cousin Vinny took the run behind the leader, and they quickly settled into Indian Fire with Don Hugo following the first two, uh, Raka, Dan Neptune, and Carlo Gambino. As they moved around the bottom turn, Lose Dream started the running line with Dangerous jumping onto its back. First quarter was 26-7, but they were able to back it off through the second quarter. They went 29-9. Lose Dream ensured the speed went back on through the third quarter, 27-9. Turning for home, sooner the better, kicked away. Looked to be travelling okay. Cousin Vinny came to the outside, and Don Hugo looked to take a little while to warm up as he looked for a run, one off the pegs. Cousin Vinny left enough room for Don Hugo and he powered late to grab Sooner the Better, who paddled the last 80. Cousin Vinny held on for third. Dangerous just missed the placings. It isn't the first time we've seen a Kiwi driven off the arm and be found wanting late. The racing over the Tasman, a lot less aggressive in the early stages. Um, strangely enough, he proved in the Hondo Grattan he's got the speed to be a serious threat in the chariots. He just can't be driven for that early speed. 27-1 final quarter. The mile was 151.6. Behind the place getters, Carlo Gambino was good, who was up in grade, hit the line solidly. Lose Dream can be winning in a race where he doesn't have to do all the work. Race number four, the fave was Whisper a Secret at $2.40. There was good early speed from my ultimate Snowy, who was able to scoot across and take the lead off Little Louie. Tuppence was three pegs, Shades of Heaven four pegs. The running line was Blazing Shannon, Whisper a Secret, Our Uncle Jim, Rocker Coco, and Celestial Gossip. The speed was on early, 26-1, but they backed it off to 29-7 through the second. A 28-9 to the final turn, and My Ultimate Snowy looked to be travelling okay. Blazing Shannon was under pressure. Whisper a Secret pulled, up, uh, pulled around it. 
That made room for Tuppence, and it was off the inside and eased around the field to get to the very outside. Little Louie got around the wheel of My Ultimate Snowy and looked to be a winning chance, but Whisper a Secret had full momentum down the outside, held off a late finish from Tuppence, who keeps getting mentions in this segment. Little Louie had its chance. My Ultimate Snowy just had too much petrol taken out of it in the early stages. Rocker Coco got rough turning into the straight, but it got it all together late and was okay to the line. Race number five was the Paleface Adios Stakes, and the favourite was the Kiwi It's Merlin at $1.90. When the gate left the field, a full real-life gallop for a few strides, and it lost momentum. Better be the best, driven aggressively, as promised by Nathan Turnbull. Drove him like you, uh, drive him like you stole him and take the sting out of the rivals. That's, that's the best... Um, Best thing Nathan can do. He got to the pegs quickly. Doug's platter got down to the running line quickly. There was a couple caught out wide. Sure thing, Captain, and it's Merlin. They progressed forward, but it took it's Merlin half the journey to work to the spot outside the leader. Pegs was better be the best. Rock and roll hammer. Captain him ahead. Uh, Mr. Robin Hood and Earl of Pembroke. Running line was it's Merlin. Sure thing, Captain. Doug's platter. Artie's flash. And for real life, settled last. 26-6, then 29 meant 55-6 first half. As soon as it's Merlin got to the chair... Turnbull was again off and running, and they went 27-6 through the third quarter. Turning for home for real life made its dash from the tail of the field. Sure thing captain tipped out of the 1-1, and it's Merlin was bravely holding its spot in the chair, but better be the best kept going to the line to win without too many issues. 26-6 up the straight, 149-8 overall. Not sure he gets the lead next week without an arm wrestle, so that might make it interesting. It's Merlin was brave in the straight after doing so much work. Sure thing, Captain was good. Rock and Roll Hammer wanted to get its head on the side and may have cost it third. Captain Hammerhead didn't get a lot of room late. Can't see um, them being Don't Stop Dreaming next week. A lot of speed in the race now, and I'm looking for the fast horses coming from off the speed in the chariots. Race six, Don't Stop Dreaming, was the favourite at $1.10. There were a few who wanted to get forward here and find the markers. Ideal Escape showed speed before Expensive Ego crossed it. And then Magician kept coming forward and it rolled to the top before it released the fave Don't Stop Dreaming. So in order on the pegs, it was Don't Stop Dreaming, Magician, Expensive Ego, Ideal Escape, Tis a Sizzler, Boots Electric, Smithy's Terror, Let's Rock, Let's Roll and Line Up. Lead time 49-6, followed by pedestrian quarters of 30 and 31-4. Lineup made the move to start the running line, and Let's Rock, Let's Roll, and Smithy's Terror jumped into the running line as well. 29-2 was the third quarter, and then once they got to the top of the straight, it became a dash home. Don't Stop Dreaming grew wings up the straight, untouched to run a final quarter in 25-6. Magician battled on up the straight. Lineup was super brave after being forced to do a lot of work outside the winner. Ideal Escape was making up ground on those around it in the straight, which was impressive with the speed they were going, and it's worth following. The winner is super impressive and looks the one to beat in the chariots. Race 7 was the standing start trot. The favourite was Victory Hill at $4.20. On advice and Vic Sun galloped away. There were a few that wanted to get forward early. Victory Hill worked to the front before releasing Sunny G, and then Scruffy Doolan was able to roll past it, and that all happened in the first 600 metres of the race. 53-4 was the lead time. They settled down with Scruffy Doolan in front of Sunny G, Victory Hill, a fair to cover, the best bourbon, on advice, Van Sank, Majestic Trio and Vic Sun. 30.5 was the first quarter, and it was the best bourbon who came away from the inside and started the running line. So it was the best bourbon, on advice and Van Sank. Majestic Trio was pushed out three wide and never got around them. 29.9 through the second quarter, and then Scruffy Doolan tried to slip away. 27.8 through the third quarter, it was a sizable lead. Victory Hill had to wait until the best bourbon dropped away to get into the clear, and then the question was, could it reel in Scruffy Doolan? 28-5 up the straight. Victory Hill got there in the shadows of the post. Scruffy Doolan held on for second. Affair to cover got away from them pegs in the straight and got home well for third. 
Um, on advice, and Van Sank were okay late, but expected more from Van Sank. Think Van Sank will appreciate getting back to the mobile. Race 8, the short price favourite was Oliver Bubbles, and there was a lot of speed early with Little Bliss charging off the arm to cross meet me at the beach before handing over to Oliver Bubbles, and they quickly went into single file. So Oliver Bubbles, Little Bliss, meet me at the beach, Soho Rhapsody, Our Southern Star, Heavenly Holly and Magic Moment, 26.9 and then 30.1, which was fast enough for those behind the short price favourite. Grimer came away from the inside at the cages with Meet Me at the Beach, which was a little bit surprising because by the time they swung into the straight, she was gone. Um, Soho Rhapsody pushed through on the pegs in the spot that uh, Meet Me at the Beach left and then shifted into the clear at the top of the straight to chase out after the fave who'd put a big gap on them. Heavenly Holly went to the outside and flew home down the outside. Soho Rhapsody just held on for second, but Heavenly Holly was very good in third. Uh, Little Bliss was fourth after blasting off the gate, and she can win with that gate speed in weaker grade. Best win of the night, don't stop dreaming, simply arrogant. Purden had a lap full of horse in the straight, broke 26 seconds up for the final quarter. Very special horse, he's going places. Best beaten performance of the night, it's Merlin, got caught outside the leader in the pale face, Adios. It took it half the race to get around to the chair. It'll benefit from a good draw in the chariots of fire. And driver of the night, not much between Luke McCarthy on Don Hugo and Trent Dawson on Whisperer Secret. I'll go with Trent Dawson because he dropped him into a perfect spot from a middle draw, gave him every chance, but Luke's on Don Hugo was very, very good too. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Winning. Hey. That's pretty good. Winner! That was legitness. That I say, all right, all right, all right. Wow, winning. Bam! Just like that. That's all there is to it. That's, that's all there is to it. A winner! Just like that. I'm the winner! Is... Well, it's getting very close in the tipping challenge. Mr. T has closed the gap big time. I'm minus $66. He's minus $69. We give two tips each week and put $10 on them on the New South Wales tote. He got the one winner this week at Bathurst with Troza winning the last race. My two tips ran second. Uh, Mr. T, his two are at Bathurst. Surprise, surprise. Race six, number nine, Soho Money Rider for visiting trainer Michael Stanley. Has got the awkward draw to contend with, but does have strong recent form in Victoria. Did win two at Bendigo in late December, early January. So race six, number nine, Soho Money Rider. And his other one is in race nine, number two, Judith Gwenda. Still a maiden after 12 starts, but has put the riding on the wall that a win's just around the corner. Six placings to date. Mr. T thinks Wednesday is the night for Judith Gwenda. That's race nine, number two. My two this week on Tuesday, race seven, number seven, Maria Alagonda. My good mate Freddie Hastings has a share in this one, and I think she'll take some beating. Um, was super impressive in a recent trial and wasn't let down and looks to have very high speed. So that is race seven, number seven, Maria Alagonda. And then race eight, number nine, Argent Peak. Seaton Grimer is winning a lot of races at the moment. This horse won at Newcastle on Friday night. I like Seaton's aggressive approach. Expect it to take a lot of beating on Tuesday. That's race eight, number nine, Argent Peak. Fantasy update. Champo 71 still leads with a margin now back to 140 points. So Champo 71 is on 9,997. Mays is on 9,857. And Manning 1990 is third with 9,804. My team, I'm running 81st with 8,576. Round 13 was won by Boilover with 936 points in front of Mays on 928 and Teddy on 916. Interesting next week because you wouldn't think anyone's going to dominate Saturday night with all the big races, but the triple points might come in handy. So who do you trade into your team? And importantly, who do you make captain? Big decision coming up this week. 
That just about wraps up another week and another podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. Next week will be different because we have a special podcast coming from the barrier draw of the Miracle Mile, so make sure you stay tuned for that one. And I'm sure Harness Racing New South Wales will have all the details about that sometime during the week. Big thank you to my guests, Adam Hamilton and Mark Purden. Have a great week. I'll be trackside at the Chariots next week doing some trackside interviews for social media channels as well. I'll catch you then. Bye for now. 